With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Right, we are back. Another episode and potentially the last episode of the season. More than likely the last episode of the season. Um, a few guests on tonight. We've got Duncan and Chris, if you want to introduce yourselves. Go on, Chris, you got her. Yep, Chris Mark, the one from there. Uh, you know, maybe I've been on you guys before. Um, back in the old uh, days when it looked a bit more optimistic. <laughs> we were just more about potential I think could we play. Um, we didn't think we'd make playoffs. And Duncan. Hey, hi, everyone. I'm Duncan Miller. Uh, thanks for having us on, lads. It's good to, good to see you again after uh, you returned the favour on the on Rovers radio show. Um, yeah, I'm also on the board of Rovers Trust, and that's Nicky, really. Yeah, and <laughs> just ready to. I've had some time now, sort of, to process everything, and I think ready to talk about the season that was. Um, yeah, so awesome. <laughs> so Chris has obviously been on the show with us before in the King Edward pub. Was it after the Birmingham after the Birmingham draw at home before the replay? Um, yeah, which was I'm sure there's plenty of other people would blame before you, Chris. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we won't get into that. That's, that's what I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah, to just start pointing the finger. Um, so we'll start with Millwall away. That's the most recent thing. We're not going to get into a full um, season update just yet. Lewis and Chris, you both went, I'm assuming. I know Lewis yeah. went, obviously. Yeah. 
Uh, how was it? How was the, the day for you? Yeah, well, it was um, it was a good day out. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you that. Um, we went down on the train um, from Preston, um, so we went uh, in London Bridge, or on a few drinks, and made our way to the game. Um, obviously, first off, you know, it was uh, we were. Nearest cost was really there. I don't actually played too badly. Um, you know, we got behind early on, but you know, a brilliant goal from from Wharton uh, loves it all. Um, but then, yeah, the errors in the build up to the second and third goals was just, just stupid, really. It goes back to what you know we were harping about time and time again last week, who decision making. Um, you know, costing the goals. Um, you know, in this case, it didn't cost us points in the end, but that's only thanks to how good we were in the second half and what well, they capitulated, really. Yeah, it's always like a story of our season, like absolute, not an awful first half, because like you said, we played well. It was just the stupid, silly mistakes, rubbish decisions. Um, Carter could probably get rid of it before he concedes a throw-in. And then it's a long throw into the box that's allowed to bounce. I just think we spoke about it at the Coventry game, not, not going and heading the ball. Like someone's, for a long throw in to come all the way into the box and then be volleyed in the back post, no one no one screams, no one shouts at anyone. Why is no one like grabbing someone by the throat and saying, go and head that floating ball that's just travelled 40 yeah. yards? Uh, I don't yeah, understand. Don't it. I just think how well have we done our own work because you must know that the ball got that in the arsenal that one throw and what happened after about two minutes and you're just like oh shit you know that's the bill coming stuck with a long throw at some point here and it didn't take very long that's why it's, yeah you're right it, it, that's why I'm so frustrated which you can see it coming about off mm. like we just wouldn't you just couldn't defend it couldn't defend it and just I mean that I mean I'm not even that's where our game started at the second and third ball so it was a fucking chat ball It's annoying enough where one mistake leads to a goal. That's annoying. But when there's a long line of mistakes coming from us giving away cheap, well, us giving the ball away cheaply from a corner, then Travis backs out the 50-50. Pickering, I don't think Pickering actually does that bad because he's backpedalling. He's got a good, uh, he's got a good connection. He's put it in the air away from goal. If Pers is still on his line, it's an absolute superb piece of defending. It's just. Pers is in such an awkward and weird position. He's outside the box, so I said yeah. if, if Pickering leaves that, he grabs it, gets sent off, he down to ten minutes for the rest of the game, or he's volleying it yes. at the back of his head. Somebody said, "Oh, you could see that Pers gave Pickering the shot." Yeah, but he's, he's in the deep. He's outside of his box. What's he going to do there? Hang it himself? Yeah, that's it. It's, I was just thinking that because he said, "Yeah, I saw that." I said, "Oh yeah, Pers is giving Pickering a shot." It's like, what are you shouting at? <laughs> so you can't pick it up, you're not going to wet it. There's a Millwall player running down the 
have some bloody good lip readers as well because no one's hearing that shout on a youth club no because it was support. I mean it sounded like a good atmosphere on the TV I don't know what it was like yeah. at, at, at the ground yeah um, I think uh, both well, sets of bands really uh, uh, thought I thought was good as well um, you know, and obviously they were got to find love for it yeah um, and then get back into the game with oh I don't know if I've disconnected oh Um. Yeah, so obviously the fans were massively up for it. Um, atmosphere sounded good from both sides. Adam Wharton scores an absolute worldie, and again, we're scratching our heads and wondering why he's only played 18, 19 games this season. Um, it's been a while since we've had a central midfielder bring the ball down and just slam it into the bottom corner from 30 yards, and if you want to get fans back on side, sell tickets, increase attendances... You need to build a team around exciting players like that. Absolutely. I really went when it was a rain from what pretty much is the wrong with the Zags. I watched him play for the under 23s last season as well. And you can tell he's, about, he's an absolute talent, he's a natural talent, he's so good. And the fact that he's 18, 18 19, and he's been out in and out of the team for whatever reason this season. But every time he's come in, he's looked like the best player on the pitch for the most part. He's a testing talent, what he is. And again, he's 18, 19. It's scary how good he's going to get. Yeah, that's one thing I was going to ask you. What do you think his ceiling could realistically be? It's. I mean, the sky's the limit for him. I think he's just got to. It sounds like a cliche, but he's got to keep his feet on the ground. Because I've heard rumblings about him having attitude issues. I don't know how true that is. I'm not. I can't know. He's one of my best. I don't know. But um, if he can, if he can keep his head in the game, there's no limit to how far he can go. I really do rate him. He's that good. Is that not just his personality though? Like the attitude problem you mentioned. Like he does have that look about him of like shuffling his feet, <laughs> shirts a bit baggy. Yeah, I don't get this because everyone like, oh, he looks on the pitch like he's got a bad attitude. What are you talking about? Damien Duff used to look knackered after three minutes on the pitch every single time he played. You know, um, when he's picking up passes like he does, turning out of trouble into space and playing a ball that nobody in the stands is even seeing, what is levels above in terms of? You know, the rest of the team we've got. Maybe we've been starved a little bit in terms of seeing someone of, you know, really good quality. Maybe we're all overdoing it a little bit, but I don't think so. I think he's a future, future England player. I, just, I think he's frighteningly good, and I can't believe people are advocating selling him and looking to sell for any amount of money at the moment. Because bloody hell, we want to get more than a dozen games out of him before. Do you not think it's also like a Blackman Rovers problem that we've had over the years where we've the the people we've brought through or the midfielders we've had have almost had like a squeaky clean look, like shirt tucked in, Superman haircut, brushed to the side where I'm thinking like Jason Law, Keith Andrews, yeah. Tyler Moore and like everything's tidy. Where Adam Wharton's come in, he's got a patchy buzz cut, shirts two sizes yeah. too big for him, it's hanging off him. 
is shuffling about and about. Is it like almost like his impression gives away that he's not? I know a lot of people said like he walks around like he can't be bothered, but he's covering the miles. He's he's getting up and down the pitch. It's just you don't notice it because he's not sprinting around like a madman trying to make himself look <laughs> good. Like he just couldn't. Yeah, that's what I like about him. He knows even at that age, he knows there's no need to be running about like a headless chicken. If he, I'll tell you what, if, if this is how good he is when he looks like he can't be asked, fuck me, what does he like when he can't be asked? <laughs> he doesn't need to run around like it. That's not his role. That's no, we've, we've got someone in there giving plenty of that, enough for the other 10 players on the pitch, running around like an endless chicken, grabbing people's shirts, throwing them on the floor, falling over, and all the other crap that Travis does. And let's just appreciate, yeah, let's just appreciate, well, I'll save that one for, how was he not playing at the morning? Now, how did Morton get so many starts and Morton didn't? Because, tell you what, um, if he was still an MT player, who would you think was the future Liverpool player out of MT? Yes. No, no comparison. Yeah. Well, I've asked that question on Twitter. Uh, just after the Burnley game, I mentioned in passing how he's only played in 16 games at that point. It's beyond me because he's that good. And uh, there are a couple of people who mentioned he's been injured, which in fairness he has been. I don't know how severe it was, but there was a lot of talk that they, they was JDT conservative, making sure he didn't burn out, which I can kind of see the logic behind that because you don't want to burn, you know, you don't want to burn out you know, an 18-year-old in his first full season, but at the same time, fuck me, he's good. Like, I mean, the last one or two of the season, I wouldn't exactly call that burning out. He'll be loving all the football this game. Yeah. What's um, what's happened with Morton playing overboard in so much this season is something we need to remember in the summer. And we shouldn't be signing anyone else's youngsters to play over in his position because, I mean, I said last week, he needs to be one of the first names on the team sheet next next season. Yeah, yeah absolutely. we spoke about this just before everyone came on. We said, like, I would have been... T- I'm, I'm not as mad about the the Morton loan agreement because I, I want us to learn from it and say, right, well, the loan agreement where we met promises is not a good fit anymore. We've got promising youngsters. They have to be, like, way above, yeah. like, going to give us promotion. So we looked at the other loan players for teams in around the top six. Ahmed Diallo, his goal against Preston was his 15th of the season, seventh assist. Like, uh, who was the other one that I mentioned? Middlesbrough, Cameron Archer joined in January, only played 20 games, got 15 goals. They're, they're the difference, mate, because it's not going to be a midfielder with two assists and. I don't, has he scored? Did he score one? I think he might Is he claiming the old goal against Norwich? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what I'm thinking about. <laughs> yeah. Um, Experience. He's come in, done a really solid job for Luton and helped him out the line. 
Um, on 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 paper, I suppose that's a bit like what Stormy Thomas would have would have been. Um, maybe didn't pan out as we thought. I thought he started pretty brightly. Maybe faded a bit. But um, you know, Longley plays in the twenty five is a lot better than Longley plays in the nineteen. Yeah, definitely. Um, so we'll get back to the Millwall game. Obviously, Thomason wasn't happy with the first half. Made double substitution at half time. Travis and Thomas coming off. I don't think there could be any complaints about either of the substitutes. They weren't affecting the game in a positive way, at least. Um, Britain and who was the other substitute that came on? Dolan. Dolan, yeah. Uh, Britain and Dolan come on. Britain's involved straight away from the Diaz free kick that he tries to put, tries his best to not put in the net. And then uh, Joran Costello taps in the rebound. And then <clears throat> obviously after that it's just the Ben Brereton Diaz show isn't it and after how frustrated we've been with him for the last four months would we say how frustrated we've been it's just ironic that he's shown up to show how good he has been over the last 18 months in the final game of the season when it didn't really matter unfortunately well, I didn't actually see it coming because a minute before it, he kicked the floor trying to play an outside of the foot pass. <laughs> it was almost like he developed superpowers from kicking the floor. <laughs> but, yeah, at that moment I was like scrolling through Twitter thinking, oh my God, Villarreal are going to be like cancelling the contract agreement. And then maybe he might have been thinking the same, like, oh, carry on performing like this. I might not be getting a, a phone call in the summer after all, and he's just decided to turn on the style at the most important point. What was it like in the away end for you watching this unusual turnaround for Blackburn Rovers? It's uh, because we've seen all season when we go behind, we don't win. I think it's just absolutely typical that the one time that we come back, and we've got a really good comeback, by the way, three one down. It ultimately doesn't matter because it doesn't make it. It doesn't make a jar difference. But it's still whether you whether you in the race for the playoffs, whether you're already relegated, whether you're already promoted, whatever the case, you always want your team to win football matches. So based off that alone, it was a I mean, it was a great comeback. I mean, we looked at very three one, but we were out and we talked about this could be a good And for all the for all the but for all the criticism you can give Thomas for maybe making substitutes too late, making the wrong substitutions, especially over the last month or so, I've noticed that. I think he got it right this time because he could at least see that we needed to change something. And I'm not that. I wasn't massive on Dolan second half performance. Because I thought he did all right, don't get me wrong. But I think the man who made the difference the most coming up was probably Britain. Because he, but it was just that that he's on the right hand side. I, I think Britain's always made a difference when he's come off the bench, but sometimes it's been really negative. You know, we brought him on at times and given goals away almost directly because he's come on. I think bringing him on as an attacking options worked really well. And then was it Stoke as well, where we were three three down and we ended up getting two back, and it, that was largely due to him. But then there's the occasions like, you know, Leicester, Sheffield United in the Cup, um, was it 
Coventry and or Preston, you know, when he came on in those games and we switched maybe switched into the back five, but he hasn't shoot shoot up a defence ever. But he's always given us that attacking impetus, um, which fourth. Do you not think that's like an opposition mindset? So um, obviously we know we all know how good Joe Rankin Costello's been this season. It, for me, is my player of the season. I know Hyam will probably get the votes off majority, but for me, Costello's been as well as Hyam's been solid all season. I'd say Joe Costello's been an outstanding performer for the majority of the season. There's been a few off games, but when he's played well, he's been by far the the best player on the pitch. Um, so as a, as a left winger attacking that right side you're not getting the best of Costello he's dragging you back by bombing up and down the pitch you don't really know where you are and all of a sudden the guy that you've had a nightmare against is getting dragged off and a new lad that's not warmed up properly is coming on do you not think that gives the opposition a boost and like a bit of a kick up the arse to say right let's get at this guy now and obviously that doesn't yeah. go for Britain yeah I think quite possibly I think, I think to be honest Britain is We've never really seen him be settled at right back for any period of time this season. Uh, apart from the first like, sort of maybe three or four games, you know, he's had spells of left back, he's had spells of injury, then he's been second fiddle quite rightly to ranking Costello. So I overall I'm pretty disappointed with Britain. Not nothing against him, just that it hasn't quite panned out like before it maybe would this season, you know, he was supposed to come in, make that right back spot his own, it wasn't a problem. We've seen Travis at right back too many times this season. We've seen Carter at right back too many times this season. And I think now ranking Castello is obviously saying he's going to move into midfield. I like the sound of that. So hopefully next season is Britain's turn to, to crack on. Um, going back to the away end, Lewis, um, I know at the point we were coming back into the game and we equalised, it was pretty certain that Sunderland were going to finish sixth instead of us or Millwall. Did you get a feeling of that people were urging Millwall to score and win and stop Sunderland getting sixth place? Um, no, I um, I think like going into the game, I was kind of like joking that because like, like, I was a Mowbray manager Sunderland, um, they um, if, sorry if Sunderland are winning, I like, just just chuck it. Like, you know, but I, feeling around the group are you happy that Sunderland have got into the top six have you, have you got a, a feeling of happiness for Mowbray are you a bit like why couldn't you do that with us I'm completely why couldn't you do that with us but um, to be honest I'm more annoyed that you know I think like Lewis touched on there it's the last few games have been a disappointment and you could kind of see it coming I always say there's always a team that makes the late surge into the playoffs and go into it with some momentum and now I hate to say it, but I can see them doing it. I can see some of them do it. 
Um, my heart says I'd like Luton to go up. My head says I want Middlesbrough um, to go up because I think they're going to be probably the strongest side next season and there's some big hitters coming down as well by the looks of it. So it's going to be a tough league next year, but yeah, um, we need to move on from Marbury, I think. He's caused us enough pain and misery without you know, worrying about him getting promoted. It's like it's still searching for your apps on Twitter. outside the box in the 92nd minute in the same weekend and yeah. I mean at the end of the day there's literally a hundred moments in there you could point to the top of the moments just one just one yeah at the end of the day after 46 games you finish where you're supposed to finish there's no there's, yeah. there's no conspiracy theory to it it is a fair oh, yeah. a fair thing but there's plenty of moments we're unlucky plenty of decisions we'll look back on that feel like ages ago, the Barnes handball. Uh, I even go back as far as Ashley Phillips getting fouled in the box at Reading at 0 0. That's one that I always look back to. Um, Do you know what, Just on that Barnes handball, you know, if we've got that, we'd have missed that anyway. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, just, 100%. We've missed that anyway. 100%. Right, so moving on from Millwall, disappointing end to the season. Good win, but disappointing. So let's talk about the season as a whole. So I'm going to go go through everyone's best and worst, and we'll go we'll go Duncan, Lewis, then Chris, then me, and we'll start off with player of the season. Uh, I think you touched on my one before. To be honest, so I've had my ranking Costello all day long. He's been the turnaround is almost brilliant. <laughs> But in a quicker space of time, he's supposed to be out the door in January, weren't he? And then he's become this absolute, I don't even want to say right back, he just covers every blade of grass, does everything. Just, I think, like I said, how long, yeah, being finished out, but I think his form's dropped off a cliff since um, probably the Cup quarterfinal. You know, in this bad spell, Hallam's been quite instrumental in our bad form, I think. Yeah. Um, that's, that's not to take anything away from him. Great signing, he's been really good for us, but you know, his form has suffered. I think 
like you said, Brendan Costello has been really consistent since he's got in the team. Um, really pleased for him. And that's something really positive to take away from this, this season of ultimate disappointment is his resurgence and the fact we've got a hell of a player there. Be interesting to see where he plays next season and I hope he carries on doing what he's doing because we've got a good in there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Do you want to give your worst? You don't have to. So. Um, well, I, I'm going to kind of just figure off a bit. I'll go around the worst. My most disappointing is Britain for the reasons that I mentioned before. Don't think we've seen enough of them. Uh, you know, it's a bit like kicking a puppy, isn't it? Saying, going to um, say Marla. <laughs> so, yeah, the worst player, Clinton Marla is an easy target. Like kicking a puppy, he was rubbish in the few games that he did play. Preston and Burnley give me absolute nightmares. Again, when we look at moments in the season, picking him in that Burnley game didn't help. Um, I'm going to leave the Liverpool warning to, to someone else, I'm sure, because his name's going to come up. But it's, yeah, I'm in agreement with what you're going to say, I'm sure. But um, yeah, I think I'm going to say Britain is my most disappointing player. Not necessarily the worst, he's got plenty of good points, but hopefully he'll have a better season with us this year because I think it was a bit of a, a letdown on Britain's part this season for numerous reasons. Lewis, best and worst? I'm going to go ranking Costello again. Um, I know he's only really featured, you know, properly, consistently since the World Cup, but, um, you know, I suppose in that sense you could call him that player of the second half of the season. Um, but the level, <laughs> the level to which he's performed, um, both defensively and going forward as well, and what he's contributed to the team, um, I think it's took everyone by surprise, probably. Um, and yeah, I think he's been brilliant. Worst? If you have a worst? I won't call him the worst because solely because of the effort he puts in, but I suppose a player that I expected more from this season would be Gallagher in terms of like his actual return. Um, he's only scored eight goals in the league, hasn't he? Um, and we were excited when Thomason came in because obviously being a centre forward and a world class centre forward that he would improve him and make him a better striker and it's just not had that effect, has it? No. So yeah. I mean eight uh, goals and one of them was Daryl Lenehan, so seven goals in the season. Not disappointing um player, I suppose. Yeah. But that was a bit harsh Yeah. That's how I feel about this season. Uh, Chris, best and worst player this season? Um, I was thinking about this when I was putting voting for player of the season. Because my initial thought was going to be high just for the fact that he's played all season and been consistent all season. But it's going to have to be Rocky Costello. For the exact same pieces you guys have mentioned, I know he's only played since the World Cup, but he's been our best player since the World Cup. And like, like Doc said, high forms across the cliffs since the Sheffield I get but was Frank Casello's just been consistently good for the last four or five months it's got to be him although I will give a shout out to Sam Spomics I think he's been really good second half of the season <clears throat> but it, it's got to be JL so it, it can't be anyone else like. <laughs> and um, your worst worst again I won't say worst <laughs> but um, it's 
mine short and sweet best oh, I'm struggling for best I think the problem is with a player of the season it always depends on how you end the season if Hayen would have stayed in decent form to the end of the season is an easy standout player of the season but because he's dropped off whereas like you almost forget about the early months in the season where Smodic wasn't in the team JRC wasn't in the team and then they finished the season strong so they almost be, like go up higher in your estimations so it is harsh, but I'm high end, but I'm going to go JRC for best. Worst, I mean, you could pick any of the loan players. Um, God, I'm doing it. I mean, I say, I, I, say I, I don't want to say not worse, but <clears throat> the worst or the most frustrating for me has been Tyler Vorton, just because of the amount of game time he's had. The amount of opportunities he's had, I think, about Wigan away, Sheffield United away. They are key moments in our season where you need, where you will look back in 10, 15 years' time and you won't think about the near misses or um, the games we've like, performed badly. You'll look at the flashpoints and that incident before Doyle puts it in from 20 yards to win the FA Cup quarterfinal will be a flashpoint that we'll remember for unfortunately we'll remember it for the rest of our lives probably because that's as close or as, as close as we've been for so long and as close as we're going to get for god knows how long we just don't know um so yeah tyler morton for me oh, a lot of people are few, yeah. viewing at me but that's that's my opinion <laughs> to be fair that that consistency for me it had to be Pickering Pickering's one of our best players I think he's very understated doesn't really get assists doesn't really ball on down the line but as as championship left backs go he's probably one of the best up there I was surprised that Pickering didn't win um, Unsung Hero yeah. I think because um, he won goal of the season I kind of decided to give it to Carter to, to spread the awards out a bit more but you know in terms of consistency, so he's been solid in pretty much every game that he's played. It's because Hayden. I thought he had a little bit of a spell about October time, but came through that and been. I think the second half of the 
It's because uh, Hayden Carter has not got a song yet, but Pickering has. So he's the unsung hero. Disqualified for that. That was definitely against, uh, against Forget, and I'm sure it will make an appearance in someone's worst game of the season later on. Um, moving on to goal of the season, best and worst. Two contenders really on the last day, weren't they? I thought both Waters and Burton's first were absolute crackers. Um, I like that sort of scorpion kick effort that Hiram did. Uh, I like, you know, we've made some nice team goals, you know, plenty of passing, well worked goals this season. I don't want to give it to one of them because it pisses me off when we all do it. Pass, 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 pass. So I'm not going to praise that too much. Gold, Blackburn Millwall. We played every every day on Sky Sports R10. <laughs> um, do you have a worst goal of the season? Um, yeah, that fucking Burnley goal that scored at Ewood. That's the worst goal in a long time that I've seen. I've never probably been the wrongest goal, but that one's getting there. Yeah. Because as soon as he came on the pitch, I'll like, oh, just leave him just to stop letting trap in the sheet and Lewis, best and worst goal of the season? Now, Pickering against Sheffield United was obviously a brilliant team goal. Um, you know, you're not going to see a move that good um, very often, but I don't want to pick it just because it was like the actual cool goal of the season. Um, so, I've got two. Um, <laughs> in terms of the strike, I think Gally at Borough. Um, and in terms of like, the period and what it meant. Oh my god, oh my god. Yeah, you could take pick up on that Leicester goals, really, from the Dolans is cracking as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, Smodic's little bundle over two or three players before putting it in was very nice as yeah. well, I think. I've got that for like my away day, like best away day with Leicester away. The feeling we went 2 0 up and like the full time whistle, just unbelievable. Um, Chris, best and worst goal of the season? Yes. Honestly, my first goal was Benjamin Ed Sheffield United. Because I was a lucky goal, but I might give it to the one that puts her in Choices. Um, have you got a worst goal this season? Yeah, I'm just going to say 
Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. I can imagine so. Oh yeah, that's a horrible goal to concede. Yeah, we're going to develop like a rivalry with Coventry City because of Ben Wilson handballing the net. It's like England Argentina with Maradona's handball. Um, it was such a shit out ball as well, that's what's annoying. It was like a waste level handball. It was like proper punched it and then like in the net. I don't think people understand. If you'd have done a smodage against Preston. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, that's the problem, isn't it? Yeah. Ref watching it on iPad. That's that mentality, isn't it? There's no far in the championship. No, there's a fucking line. Um, my goals of the season: best I've gone. It's one of two. Smodiches against QPR or Gallagher's against QPR. The pass from Travis to Smodich, unbelievable, and then the turn from JRC and the square to Gallagher again unbelievable they're my two best I know they're not they're like more or less tapping but I think as like an overall goal probably one of, up there with one of the best worst I've gone Gallagher against Borough the little f- him and Lenehan hugging and practicing what they used to do in training for all them years and the ball just falls into the bottom corner and then he has the cheek to like celebrate it like he scored a worldie um, that's probably our worst goal that we've scored this season um, next up is opponent who's the are the single best players in or team that we've faced do you think they're, they're decent hmm. um, I'm trying to not stare the enemy <laughs> so I'll, I'll stay clear of that um, Sheffield United is less impressive every time we've played them than that Sandberg. Yes, yeah. It's just an absolute unit. I think that's why he's so good because we've got to run round him to try and get the ball off him. You know, he's, I, I don't know if he's that good, but um, yeah, I think he's an effective player. But um, is it Makate? Oh, Makate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll, I can't say that. <laughs> I, I don't watch football, so I only read the names. But uh, yeah, he was good for Sheffield United. Um, I think. He showed what he was all about. 
It's been designed, it's not, it's just got a bit of magic Costello. It's just a knuckle dragging potato with legs. You can't really play football. It pushes people around and has got a crap scoring record in the best team in the league. He's played about 30 games, scored less than Gallagher, and Roma's fans who are advocating Trevor Stadium. In fact, Donny's gone to Norwich, must be a fan of Inbreeding, he's gone from one place where it's almost essentially the it's allowed. Um, oh, just fucking! I hate him. He's crap. <laughs> <laughs> why don't you? Uh, why don't you tell us how you really feel, Duncan? Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> he's a bad, bad opponent we'll quickly rush through these and we'll get through like the season as a whole and club matters um, so worst opponent Blackpool offered very little in both games um, two very comfortable one of the wins um, best I thought maybe Borough um, I thought they were pretty good when we played them at Ewood yeah. I know what people say um, that they're probably sending off change the game um, but they been transformed in the Carrick and I think they deserve to finish where they are. Yeah. Uh, Chris, best and worst opponent? Uh, best opponent, best opponent, yeah. I think I'd be able to lose on both counts, to be honest. Probably looked alright when we played them. Uh, Blackpool did. That's it. Yeah, that's it. That's about fair. Uh, worst, worst opponent, I think I'm going to have to let go of Duncan. Ashley Barson. <laughs> You're not good to stop score against us. <laughs> um, yeah, Chris, I'll spend a lot of time beeping the majority of that out. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll, 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 <laughs> I'll just uh, I'll put that voice, that little clip of you saying that over like a massive bit of you saying what you just said, and it'll just keep repeating. <laughs> Um, best opponent that we've seen this season. I'm trying to think of one good player that we've had, or like one good player we've come up against that's dominated us. Um, trying to think off the top of my head. I can't really think of any that I've seen at Ewood that I thought he's a great player. Bristol City were very good when they played us both home and away, I thought. And. Stoke, we've got, oh, so probably my best opponent player is um, the guy on loan from Southampton at Stoke in midfield, the tall ball guy, Will Smallbone. He bossed us in both yeah. games, especially at um, especially at their ground on the Friday night. Could have scored a hat-trick himself, end up did scoring one, injured Buckley for the season, which probably cost us playoffs. Um, and worst opponent, I'd probably say Reading when they played us at Ewood. I thought they were absolutely awful that oh, night. Yeah, yeah, they were bad, weren't they? I know it was only a 2 1 win. Did they score first as well? I think they equalised. Ah, right, yeah. Yeah, but they, I just thought they were absolutely awful that night. Um, and then Paul Ince had the cheat to say that they deserved more and we were rubbish, whatever else he said, whatever other bullshit he came up with. <laughs> 
Sun every week when it absolutely been absolutely awful this season. Um, so we've still got quite a lot to get through, so I'll push past the best and worst. We've done the majority of the categories there. Um, season as a whole, I wanted to rate the season out of ten and give a brief summary of how you felt about the t- seasons. Well, I say so far, it's finished. So a brief summary of the season. Um, I'll probably do my summary before my rating because I'm not really sure the way it sits. I mean. Ultimately, I'm disappointed that we haven't got on the line into the playoffs. Just massively, massively disappointed about it because it, it's different to last year. Last year's collapse felt so inevitable. This season felt almost like the sabotage of ourselves. You know, it was, you know, we had these eight must win games, didn't win any of them, and then the, the real must win one where we needed results as well. We did what we did in the second half. Um, uh, and I can't say it's completely negative at all because there's, there's good things coming from it. Um, you know, the emergence of Duncan Costello or and some of the other players, Smanich has been great, Hyam looks a great signing. I think, obviously, they would be promoted. If they would have been getting in, well, B plus to A minus would have been getting in playoffs. I'll give it a a B minus, I think. And that's probably me being quite positive compared to where I was a couple of days ago. I've been on the seat plus a couple of days ago, but I've got a B minus so that's like I don't know, six out of ten or something like that. Fair enough. Lewis. Yeah, I've gone for a seven. Um I think the highs were probably higher than we've experienced for a long time. But some of the laws have been pretty brutal. Um, some crushing disappointments, <laughs> to be honest. Like, you know, obviously Sheffield United. Um, I think pressing away, Coventry at home, both the Burnley games, Burnley win the league at Ewood. It's been some very tough results to take. Um, I think at the start of the season we were talking about top off and a good cup run to you know constitute a good season and we've had you know we finished seventh and we've had two good cup runs. So but at the same time your feelings are relative and in that sense it's been disappointed because we haven't achieved what we really should have achieved. But you know, like um Duncan was saying that um, you know the young players that come through. I feel like how we've developed as a team. Um, I feel like that's what we've got to focus on now as we as we go forward. Yeah. Good point, Chris. You got a rating for us? Um, <laughs> Everyone does yeah, the same breath, but. <sighs> I'd say Burnley win the yeah. title and he would I don't think that'll never be forgotten. Um, 
which is one of the past for a while. Uh, but again, the Sheffield United club run has completely derailed us. Um, we've had eight plus like, eight plus win games, didn't win any of them. And um, I, mean, I don't think it's a case of I do think we've missed the number nine. I think we've had a number nine for the last few games of the season. It's hard to say we really need to watch the players come out because it's not just down to the number nine. I think we need we need the mentality for it, which didn't happen. But we we've seen a few good young players come through. They've had that experience now. They'll serve them well. They've had a few minutes under the belts, a few games under the belts, and yeah, I'll give it, I'll give it a seven. But I say that with optimism that if we back Thompson properly in the summer and we keep the nucleus of those young players in the side, that we can actually have a goal in next time. Yeah, I think that's probably the most positive view um, we're going to get tonight anyway um, my rating I mean I was close to giving it a 9 out of 10 on like honest reflection like nothing else looked at just like the season as a whole when we did the season preview episode I said all I want is a good cup run and something to play for on the final game of the season well if they're your expectations the season's a 10 out of 10 because for the first time in years, we've had something realistic to play for in the end of the season. And not only did we have one good cup run, we had two good cup runs, giving us probably two of the best away days we've had for years. And all the Sheffield United game was disappointing in the last minute, but as an actual occasion, going to Bramall Lane with 6,000 fans, like the memories, especially the Leicester game, like going 2 0 up there and the full time whistle there, no one's going to look back and think, oh, well we've missed out on the playoffs on goal difference. No, you're going to think about the moment when Smodic puts us 2-0 up at Leicester and you can't feel your feet because there's 7,000 people led on top of you and like, you're just going, you're like, you can't breathe. Um, they're the moments you live for as a football fan. You don't live for the moments when you look at the table and see yourself in the playoffs on goal difference. Um, so yeah, I was close to giving it a 9. I'll probably give it an 8 just because the local derby results weren't as good as I expected so now we did a double over Blackpool the results against Wigan are disappointing especially seeing where Wigan have finished this season Preston results are disappointing and then obviously the Burnley results are disappointing looking at them individual games yeah they are disappointing but they've also finished the season with 100 points so it was always going to be a difficult ask to take points off then I just think the manner of how we lost at Turf Moor, if we'd have put in the same performance that we did at Ewood and got beat 1-0 at Turf Moor, I wouldn't be halfway anywhere near us fuming about that result. Um, the performance and the attitude from the players and the fans at Ewood that night, even though it was such a horrible occasion for us as a club, still fills you with pride and is what you want from. You couldn't really have asked from anyone anymore, to be honest. So I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10 and hope that we can improve for next season. Um, which brings us on to Club Matters. Now, I know this has been a massive talking point on the podcast. We're going to talk about season tickets because um, it came out the other day that the club have sold around 7,000 is what the words that they use. Which, which means less than, than 7,000. So I give them the benefit of doubt and said it would be 6,900, which means 2,500 people that bought a season ticket or a half season ticket last year have not renewed at the cheaper prices 
or the super saver prices, as a club like to call them. Is this not a massive wake-up call for the club? And what are they going to do about it? It should be a massive wake-up call, or it won't be a massive wake-up call. Because we've we've discussed before, the amount of people in the stadium doesn't seem to matter as long as the financial target is hit. So if it's 5,000 people at 500, as opposed to 10,000 people at 250, it doesn't matter to them. It seemingly doesn't matter because what we've hit that 200 target, whatever it is. Uh, we should be we should be we should be looking at the season we've just had. Yes, this is one we missed out in the playoffs in the way that we have. But for the reasons that you've got we you know, for just because we can look at next season with a little bit of optimism. We need to play on that. I think what we've done in terms of the super save is we've kinda we've used the fact that we could still be in the playoffs so this is a selling point that nobody seems to have thought ahead of a while. Playoffs. The day after we've not made the playoffs, we charged 50 quid more. It was, it was quicker than that, it was within half an hour of the full time whistle, apparently. Oh, I didn't even know that, I thought it was a Well, that's even worse. And you think, even, I know it still wouldn't be brilliant, but you could at least extend the super saver period to the end of the month. So you could still have, like, alright, well, we can still want to be, you can still say, if you could rest, we still say it's like it's not a massive saving, don't get me wrong, but it's it, it doesn't look as callous is a strong word, but it doesn't look as it doesn't look as bad as our season's on the right. If you're not really doing it, you're not going to pay 50 quid next before you, why didn't you do it before? It just it just doesn't make sense because we, we've said it before, Blackburn is an impoverished town in the middle of a cost of living crisis, as is the rest of the country. And I get that bills have gone up absolutely everywhere, and I don't doubt bills have gone up in the club as well. But you don't have to take it out on the on the fans. It's just it just doesn't make sense. Um, I think it's more frustrating the fact that they've got evidence right in front of them of Preston having reduced season tickets, selling a lot amount, Bolton selling fourteen thousand. Did they finish the early bird scheme with? Yeah, I think it was fourteen. So they've literally they've got it in front of them. They've got the evidence in front of them. So we've sold seven thousand at three seven nine. Bolton have sold fourteen thousand at two one nine. Like it doesn't take Carol Boardman to work out that not only have they made more money than us, but they're gonna they're gonna have double the amount of fans inside the Reebok. I don't know if it's called the Reebok anymore, but it will always be the Reebok to us. Um, inside the Reebok next season, like. What? So <clears throat> I messaged the marketing manager at Rovers the other day, asked him if we could sit down, have a chat, record it for the podcast. He said he'd have to approve it with his CEO, let me know um, what happens. And obviously that chat will be just like this, quick chat, asking all the load questions. But I feel like if I booked an hour to speak to him, would I need 50 minutes to grab him by the shoulders and just shake him? <laughs> until he understands and wakes up and realises what is going on to this club. I think I think in terms of what, what he does, um, I, I've sat on the table, round the table a couple of times in the last sort of three months with Fraser Reed, he's the marketing guy, Paul Fielder, who's had a commercial, who is apparently, uh, well, might be leaving, and Steve Waggett, 
conversations, going back a couple of years when you had these conversations, it was always answered with a question. So you said, Preston was sold X amount of season tickets. Well, what's the venue? Was the comeback? And the comeback to this is, we're saying Preston sold X amount of tickets. The owners are saying, well, we've got more revenue in. There is an absolute fear that they won't hit this revenue target. They are thriving that they won't hit the revenue target. So what I've been trying to do in these last couple of meetings about it is to try and prove to them that there is the appetite there amongst our fan base to come back, but they are being priced out, but there isn't enough flexibility with the offer, etc., etc. We've given lots of different ideas about how we could change this up, what we need to do to like I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, I'm not breaking any confidence here. Waggett said to me, sat around the table, that there's a group of senior players who meet with him regularly and the players are always saying, Why isn't the more fans in the ground? Why isn't the more fans in the ground? And Waggett said, You don't understand the local demographic pattern is in the poor area. Steve, that's exactly what I've been telling you for two years, you know. This is the way it is. And apparently Don Hyam wants to run out and see in front of him as he comes out of the tunnel a wall of fans in the riverside facing them as he come out of the tunnel. And one thing that I've been really pushing is those uncovered first six rows on the riverside should be the equivalent to like a terrace, you know, charge £150 for a season ticket indoors. The uncovered seats, you pay less for uncovered seats in any other round in the country, you know, you're mostly looking down the leagues to these uncovered seats, but they're uncovered, seldom cheap to get people in, they come back in, so why people move and sit further back? Why do you give a shit? Yeah. The round's one third full, you know, just let them sit where you have get people in. Um, another thing that I'm always banging on about last season, we had a window of about six weeks to buy a season ticket from the time we went on sale to the point we went off sale. It's one payday, two if you're lucky, depending when it's up, when the payday falls in the month. So Steve, it's not enough to give people one payday. So when these tickets came out in March, I was a little bit optimistic. If you've listened, you know, people have got, you know, four or five paydays before the season starts, brilliant. But then they hiked the price after one, after six weeks, so one or two paydays again. There's that fundamental lack of understanding. We've sat with maps of the local area explaining one of their answers is of all our fans have a BB pass card. They went aware that BB stretched up right to the top of um, the Ripple Valley, right across it, you know, into Highburn, into Burnley. Oh, it's know, a skip Yeah, exactly. All these areas of BB pass cards, if you can't concentrate on the Blackburn area, you need to expand it a little, you scope a little bit into the wider area of East Lancashire. Um, what I would say, trying to be optimistic about it, I think that the conversations that I've had as part of the Sports Trust over the last couple of months have been better received, they've been more two-way, and I feel like we're making headway. It was never going to work this season, because everything here is it has to go to India for sign-off. So how much pushback, you know, if Wagner was to say, right, we're making season tickets 200 quid, Thank you, my veto. Right? I don't know how involved they are, but everything has to go to India for approval and sign off. It was always going to be a step too far to get it done this season, but from a personal point of view, it's something that I've got on the list to touch on with the new TV deal coming in. If there isn't significant changes next season and a much more flexible approach and a much more affordable offering, then I'll be extremely disappointed. It's, it was never going to be. We 
we're trying to change some really sort of steadfast views, I suppose, really. And anybody who thinks that there's going to be a kind of lightning bolt moment where they'll kind of understand the way that things are at the club, it's not going to happen. You know, I, I, we need to keep banging the drum. I think, you know, people doing it, sending emails, complaints, there's laws landing on like it's email at the moment. The fans forum are doing the same thing, we're coming up with the same ideas, they're getting it from all angles. But I think when you're getting people who, you see the odd person sort of guilt tripping on the fans, or like, you're not committed if you haven't got a season ticket like me. And the club will sometimes take that line as well, and it's, uh, that frustrates me because I think they've got it wrong, they're not fully understanding the fan base. We need to work together as supporters to try and get that understanding of to the people who make the decision. I just want to jump in on that, John, because I think I made a really good point that some people want to use the fact that they've renewed the season ticket or Cap are in a position to be able to renew the season ticket at those prices as sort of a stick to beat other management. And I really, really don't like that because it doesn't matter how much money you earn, it doesn't matter where you live, it doesn't make you. Like, for example, I've renewed my season ticket this year, it doesn't make me a bigger fan than somebody who can't. I won't mention names, but I don't like how certain people I've seen on the socials, Facebook, Twitter, whatever, I like how oh, people more than they do, but they can put season tickets on too late, people more than put them on now, people more about the prices. It's like, well, maybe, maybe people have got a good reason to not. And I think ultimately, when you see across the board football live attendance is up everywhere except in the park, pretty much, yeah. they clearly got it wrong. You've got it wrong. Exactly. Just before we go on to the EFL Sky deal, um, so Rovers obviously were on Sky the most in the Championship last season, 20 appearances on Sky, which is a minimum of £2 million revenue with £100,000 per appearance on Sky. So we talk about these targets and um, revenue targets that they have to meet. Surely that must go somewhere towards lowering the season ticket prices, having a record amount of appearances on Sky. Can anyone guess how many three o'clock Saturday kickoffs we had last se- or this season, the season that we're talking about today? And how many it was since the World Cup break? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, how many have we had this season at home? Five, maybe? Yeah, five, five is correct. So out of 23 games, we've played five on a Saturday at three o'clock. And I know we've had the World Cup break, so we've had to play more midweek games. That's fair enough, understandable. But if you're buying a season ticket based on the fact that you can only attend weekend games, I mean, you're, you're struggling massively. Like People say like, yeah, but the season ticket's only £16 a game. You, you can't go midweek, it's all of a sudden £40 a game, and then if you can only go Saturday games, it all of a sudden it's £85 a game. Where do we draw the line? Yeah. Um, I don't understand why we don't have a season. Why we still not have that. Well, the idea that I really push it is basically a pay 
energy car season tickets are. You'd pay a membership fee, call it 50 quid. You'd get all your benefits of being a season ticket holder, and then whatever games you want to go to. So if it works out, my season ticket, £19 a game. You can buy your match ticket for £19. Or 24 if it's in the Jack Walker or whatever. You know, you, you pay a pro rata amount per game because there are lots of people who want to be season ticket holders, but they're looking at it. You know, if, you, if you're missing, I think somebody worked it out on the RFCS. You have to go to 19 games to make it make sense value wise. Yeah. So, it, and it's, it falls out of, you know, you could miss a couple if you're ill, you know, and you know, things crop up, you might have a wedding or a party or a christening or something to go to one day, you're missing one, you know, it's very easy to miss four games and suddenly your season ticket becomes um, rather than a money saving device, uh, an unnecessary expense. Yeah. Uh, and just moving on to the EFL Sky deal that recently been signed five matches will be shown from the Skybet Championship next year every weekend so nearly half the matches will be shown we've also got like Friday night slots we've got Saturday dinner Saturday tea time Saturday evening slots now Sunday afternoon slots Monday night slots how many weekends do you think especially after the season we've had we've played we had 20 finishing 7th Again, we've got a lot more bigger te- well, not not bigger teams. That's the wrong way of using, but potentially like Leeds, uh, Notts Forest, Everton potentially coming down. Sheffield Wednesday maybe coming up. Plymouth will be on Sky quite a lot. Ipswich will be on Sky again quite a lot. You're going to be playing one of them every two or three weeks. How often are we not going to be on Sky next season? That surely must be putting people off buying a season ticket. Um, I'm I'm pretty sure the new Sky game. I don't think it's next season, I think it's the season after it comes into effect. But even then, like, five. I'm going to make a bit of a bold prediction here. I think the three o'clock blackout is going to be a thing of the past three seasons max. Because that's where this TV deal looks like. This is where it looks like it's going. Because it's. That's what you said. It's going to get to a point where how often do you pass yeah, but I think I think the three o'clock. The three o'clock blackout, getting rid of that would suit us as match-going fans. Every game's guaranteed to be Saturday three o'clock, so you know that you've got that weekend release to look forward to. At the minute, fixtures come out and you think, "Oh, Norwich away on this weekend, that's good. I'll book the train now." And then it gets to three weeks before the game, and they say, "Actually, that game's a Monday night now," and you spent eighty pounds on the train. The thing is that if we do make three o'clock. Get rid of the blackout, it'll just mean that one of those TV games is three o'clock and still have your five o'clock, your Dragon Night and Sunday lunchtime and everything else. It'll just be one of those games is three o'clock, you just lose one of the other slots effectively. But I think one of the key things about that three o'clock black, blackout is to protect the rest of the pyramid. You know, it's, if you've got somebody who goes watching, I don't know, Filed or Kingsley, you know, if, if you've got games on at three o'clock on a Saturday, it's to stop that, it's to ensure that teams lie down the pyramid and again it's you know we we used to have systems to protect them so Accrington Stanley always used to play on a Friday night because Blackburn, Burnley and Bolton played on a Saturday and then they banned that because they were getting an advantage from more rest for the midweek games so they can't use the excuse of protecting the pyramid because your local smaller teams that people might go to because they're local weren't being protected in that right. I'm sure there's a lot of London teams like South End that used to play on Friday night because your West Ham's and 
um, Chelsea and Fulham used to play on Saturday people used to go and watch South End so I don't I think that's a bit of a lame excuse from the EFL to be honest it's not illegal streaming will deter people from going to support small clubs yeah yeah it does completely does yeah yeah and that's there is one thing about this deal um, and that's that uh, the games that will be televised will be announced before the start of the season and that announcement will run up to FA Cup third round weekend so it's not like you know they don't do it in box anymore it's like half a season announced in one go so fans get more notice that is one good thing about it yeah uh, I think one of the reasons one of the reasons we had so many on telly this year was because we weren't drawing games as well we were either winning or losing for all that period of time so like, oh exciting games and then obviously playoffs thing happened so we kind of victims of our own success in a way that I mean the, the, the thing is with with this new TV deal obviously it's money driven and you know there's more money coming in like I said hopefully more money from a TV deal and more chance of games being at inconvenient times should effectively lead to a reduction a significant reduction in the price of match tickets unfortunately all it'll probably lead to you know, if it's a 50% increase in TV revenue, it'll probably just mean that across the board there'll be a 50% increase in what people are spending, spending on wages. It'll just go and top up wages like everything always does. Yeah. You look at it now, there's more money in football than there's ever been, but it's more expensive for people to go and watch than it's ever been. The fans, uh, you know, all this TV money is still more expensive than it ever should be. Yeah, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Right, we've been on for quite a while. Um, do you want to do the quiz? Is everyone okay to do the quiz? Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm sure Everyone happy? Right, so it is a career path quiz. I'm going to explain it to you once I get the shared screen up. So I will give you six badges, I think, depending on, uh, depending on how many clubs you've played for, obviously but three being the most. Um, oh, I lost you now. Can everyone see me? Yeah, I see. Yeah, yeah, last week. I don't know if this will work on the recording. I'll just have to wait and see. Will it work? Oh, but it's still working. So can everyone see the second screen? Yeah, yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a white screen. Yeah, that's okay. fine. So, the first badge. So it's anyone can shout out, but once you shout it out, you're out of that round. If that makes sense, you have to wait for the next badge to guess again. Yeah. Yeah. So the first badge for the first guy is Blackburn Rovers. These have all either played for or managed Blackburn Rovers. Okay. First badge, Blackburn Rovers. Anyone want to take any guesses? <laughs> Second badge is Sporting Club Barry. Uh, no one else had it or I think I know it, but we'll got give us one more. Sportiva Cosmos. Change my mind. <laughs> <laughs> We've got Pescara Calcio. Anyone got any ideas, any guesses yet? Nope. 
you are frozen out if anyone else wants to take another guess um no I don't deserve Fiorentina no guesses yet anyone want the last one Rangers Football Club. It is Lorenzo Amoruso. One point to Duncan. I say that one to last on purpose. I was thinking, um, I think Gordon Cowan's played for Barry, so that was going to be my initial guess. <laughs> the second one, the first club is Malmo. Any guesses? I'll, 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 get a, I'll get a guess for that. <laughs> the second guess, Udinese. <laughs> Third club, Fulham. The fourth club, Liverpool Football Club. No. Remember it. Remember it's played for and managed Platinum Rovers, oh. so they can be managers of these clubs as well. The oh, Roy Hodgson. Oh, yeah. Roy Hodgson is correct. Inter Milan and the last clue would have been England to definitely seal the deal for you. Two to Duncan. The rest you need to pull your fingers out. So, number three. First club, Dundee United. Incorrect. Clyde Bank. Yeah, you can get you can guess now another badge has come up. No. Preston North End. Billy McKinley. Billy McKinley. Three to Duncan. You two need to pull your Are you searching these clubs when I say them? <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. Number four. Paris Saint Germain. AS Monaco. Nope. Nope. Chris, you've got a you've got a guess. The other two are, the other two are frozen out. New York Red Bulls. Inter Milan. Bolton Wanderers. Chris It is Yuri Jokaya. Oh. Yeah. Lewis and Chris, you wanna get involved at any point soon, <laughs> feel free. Yeah, I'll take that. Number five. Everton Football Club, Accrington Stanley Football Club, the England national team. James Beattie. James Beattie is correct. Well done, Chris. That's a good enough, also playing for Stoke, Southampton, and Sheffield United. That's a very Phil Jagielka career path. That. <laughs> oh, I've already, 
Van Der Kwok straight away. So, number six, um, we've got Birmingham City. Can I guess that? Yeah. Royal. No. You're out. <laughs> Aston Villa. Nope. Norwich City. Celtic Football Club. And Chelsea Football Club. Yeah. Chris Sutton is correct. Well he played for Birmingham straight after Celtic and then <laughs> Martin O'Neill took him to Aston Villa after that. It was, yeah. yeah, he did play as a I mean, I think he was good in every position he played. I think he could have played it net as well. Um Question seven. What we on five to Duncan once, Chris? No, no one else. Uh, player number seven, Kerala Blasters. <laughs> Manchester United. Nope. Blackburn Rovers, obviously. Sunderland FC or AFC. The England national team. Lewis, I think you're the other one that's not frozen out, so. Have you got any guesses at all? Anyone that's played for United, England, Sunderland, and obviously us. I don't know if you've frozen or lost connection to you, or you're just thinking. Simon, it was 40. Well, nearly. Yeah. Too hard to be any good. It uh, just went bankrupt recently. I thought it'd be better than it did back up. Is it Bob Barnes or Beasley? No. 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 Where's Brown? Oh. Obviously. I just want to say for the record, I guess McCarthy, because I'm probably. <laughs> I mean, he tried his best to play for United when he was playing for us. He was trying to get a move there every three months. Um, player number eight, SC Paderborn, FC Saint Pauli, Reading Football Club. Junior Hoylet is correct, Chris. Straight in there, the Reading, the Reading Football Club knowledge. Love that from you. <laughs> the old man sadly went down. <laughs> uh, Cardiff QPR and the Canada national team. Your final clue. This one is a tough one. Starting with Brighton, Hove Albion, Wolves, Hull City, Watford, Ipswich Town, and I'm going to leave the last one off. Keith Andrews. Keith Andrews is correct. MK Dons would have given it away, I'm pretty sure, but Duncan got it without MK Dons. Well, it's been a whitewash for Duncan, but we'll go for the last one as well. Let's see if we can get this off the first badge. AS Roma. No guesses. Galatasaray. 
Amiens. Sevilla. Is anyone going to take a guess? Enzonzi. Stephen Enzonzi is correct. So, well done, Duncan. You absolutely blew these two out of the water. Um, oh, so you, just did, you just did me a favour by going for my ear again. The right ear. Really. Right. Yeah, that's the answer. The answer. You couldn't really do it now because it's just been black and brown. It's weird. I haven't used black and brown. Black and brown is in a spell on loan at Yeovil Town. <laughs> that's yeah. all they've had. Black and brown is under 18. That's I can do like the different badges, like a little bud badge for the academy and stuff. Less the Latin Rovers is, which gorgeous. <laughs> um, so, yeah. It's an age thing, that, because I used to bring books sort of bring into that. What I just had, like, playing with all the previous clubs, so it's still like, I don't know, I'm getting to that habit, I suppose. 442 annuals and match yeah. magazines, annuals and stuff. Um, right, good stuff. Um, that is the end of the season review and the end of season one of Kidder Street Noise so we'll be back probably discussing the pre-season friendlies in June time probably pardon hopefully we get some good friendlies yeah fingers crossed Um, yeah both of us playing in blue and white arms yeah um We've, we've pushed it, you know, trying to build on these historic ones with other clubs. Yeah, yeah, we'll look into it, just like they did with the Bears and Chili thing, you know, that was... Mm. I don't know if I got to into it. It could get friendly with Villarreal and a friendly with Bilbao and have like a little Spanish tour. Mm. I've got that Barrow win. <laughs> 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 Barrow Morecambe, big tour. Um, yeah thank you to everyone who watched listened this season thank you to all the guests that have agreed to come on including Duncan and Chris today hope everyone has a good summer chill out with the transfer rumours it's not happened until they're holding the shirt in front of the Jack Walker statue just relax you don't need to panic about it (laughs) yeah not anymore yeah again enjoy the summer fingers crossed for next season And we'll see you all then. Thank you very much. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.